0: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this hour is Brian Perry. Uh, he is the editor of several uh, high-yield-oriented newsletters, uh, one called Cash Machine, another one called Premium Income. We're going to go into all of them. Uh, you can find out more about them at his website, brianperryinvesting.com. Welcome to The Money Answer The Show, Brian.
2: Excellent to be with you, Jordan. Thanks for having me.
1: So for people who haven't heard about you, just kind of give a brief uh, bio and, and how you've gotten to where you are today doing all these different high-yield newsletters.
2: Sure. Uh, well, I've been in the business, the industry, for the better part of 35 years and started back in 1984 with uh, Smith Barney and made my way out to California. Um, spent some time at Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers where... Back in the mid uh, to late 80s, <clears throat> about the only thing in, in yield outside of traditional investment score, um, uh, Jordan, was um, uh, really high yield bonds. And so I cut my teeth in the high yield bond market when Chuxel Burnham Lambert was in Michael Milliken, where the, the, they were the hot, uh, the hot firm at the time. And there wasn't a whole lot of choices outside of, again, money markets and municipal bonds. But even then, uh, rates back in those days were considerably higher than where they are today. So um, I started uh, getting enamored with the corporate debt world. And and we were doing some very uh, creative things with uh, some of these uh, companies that were going private, doing big LBOs, limited uh, leverage buyouts and whatnot, like RJR and Abisco, for instance. Uh, Warner Brothers, some of the big um, European firms, and uh, Chrysler, the big turnaround stories like that. Um, so there was a lot of really interesting and creative opportunities where you could get some really fat uh, returns from not just yield but also from gains in the uh, in these distressed bonds. <clears throat> so that's really where I started generating interest in in this particular field, because I ran into more and more uh, prospects that would. Really take an interest in wanting to find something that would pay way better than, than again, CDs and money markets and just uh, dividend uh, stocks from just blue chip companies. Um, so, uh, you know, having started, uh, I was on radio with Bloomberg uh, in, in the uh, mid-90s and then uh, early 2000s and then was um, uh, just found that a lot of people just kept calling in about, can you talk more about high yield? And so, over the course of the several years, the, the the numbers of assets that were that came to the market that offered high yield uh, dividends and yields and uh, and various different asset classes really took off and became more of a buffet table, if you will, of of um, buckets where you could look at things other than just junk bonds, for instance. So I, I took it upon myself to write a book back in two thousand and six called the twenty five Percent Cash Machine." Which was uh, designed uh, by a model to try to generate a double-digit interest uh, level of interest on an asset class of uh, on a basket of uh, assets, and then trying to grow the portfolio by 10 to 15 percent a year as well for a total return. That was the objective. Um, Definitely, uh, we we were we were good in a few years, and other years going into 2008 and all that. You know, um, that that was a very difficult time. Yeah. um, but coming into the lately, uh, it, it's with with interest rates having just crashed over the last ten years to where where they are today. Uh, there's just never been any more interest from the the different venues that I talk to and uh, the different uh, uh, channels that I work with and different medium uh, um, uh, distribution areas that that where there's a, a a very strong interest by primarily the retirement community is to. How can I generate, you know, a, a, an income that I can live off of without blowing through my nest egg? Yeah. And and that's really where I think that my uh, expert, my experience, I don't want to just call it expertise, but because having gone through a lot of the different ups and downs with the different market cycles, I think I've got a pretty good idea of what works and what doesn't work in, in these types of markets. And uh, that, that's been a, a challenge, but it's also very rewarding to be able to bring people these solutions to their income needs so that they can have their cake and eat it, too, without moving into a double-wide somewhere in the middle of West Virginia.
1: <laughs> you know, <so>. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's kind of take a look at the overall economic situation in the world uh, yeah. to set up the kind of things you're going to recommend. Sure. So here we are. The market's been hitting all-time record highs lately. We have negative interest rates in Europe, $15, 17000000000000 trillion worth of bonds at negative interest rates. Our long-term rates are 2% or below 1.5% thereabouts. You've had the Fed Reserve cutting rates three times recently. Uh, so, how does this all add up? Is the economy growing? Is it getting weaker? Kind of, how do you put all these uh, factors together?
2: Well, you, you know, this is a very timely uh, time to talk about this because we're seeing a, a market pivot very hard in the last week and a half here into the cyclical sectors. It for it started out, <clears throat> you know, where um, it, you, just a month ago we had this uh, this. Um, a uh, very soft uh, ISM number come out on factory output, and yes. uh, and it, and we've had actually three months in a row of declining factory output, and and it just the, the market lost four and a half percent in the first week of October. If you remember how it just it got kneecapped, yes. And it looked as if it looked as if the the slow growth in Europe and the trade war with China was starting to wash up on our shores, and although industrial production in America only accounts for eleven percent of GDP. It just gave, it was people wondering, is this the canary in the coal mine that's finally going to hit? And so therefore it was a sell first, ask questions later, kind of a market that week. And then the notion of um, a phase one trade deal started making the rounds. And then the idea that the Fed was definitely going to, you saw the the, the Fed watch tool uh, probability just explode higher to like a 95, 98% chance that the Fed was going to drop rates at the at uh, at the at recent FOMC meeting. And then you also had the, um, the the chatter going around that there was going to be some kind of a Brexit deal that wasn't going to be so not not no, with a hard landing, yeah. and so those things together started getting some some push and some positive play. And this market is like Rocky; it just it, you you can hit it, but it just keeps coming off the mat. And uh, a lot of that is because of stock buybacks, dividend increases, a lot of M and A. The market's is getting smaller. I mean. Um, because you of all the buybacks.
1: I mean, they're just well, less equity outstanding. Yeah. Well,
2: we we had over nine thousand stocks in the, to trade uh, twenty years ago, and today there's about thirty six hundred. Yeah. So the stock market is disappearing, um, and there's the world's a washing cash from all this QE liquidity everywhere, yes. and where they have the strongest balance sheets in the world, um, money continues to come here. The dollar's been strong. Thankfully, it's actually given back some ground lately. Um, the Fed's gone to neutral, and uh, it, you know we're we're at a we're at a kind of a sweet spot here where. The market is anticipating that the third quarter, uh, that we that we just went through, may be a trough, and that may be a soft spot, and then we're going to start to see a reacceleration of growth here in the fourth quarter, going into 2020. And you're starting to see a lot of money flowing into um, the the emerging market and European uh, ETFs and whatnot the last week and a half. So it's it's interesting because the data doesn't support it yet. But the market tries it's always ideas.
1: ahead, right? The oh, market's yeah. ahead of yeah. When you actually get the data.
2: Right? Six to nine months out, hopefully. And
1: yeah. so, and the, so one of the key yeah. factors is the whole Chinese situation. So yeah. uh, they had this negotiation They came and they had this love fest in the Oval Office. Right. Phase one is about to happen. I think you're a bit skeptical of that. What is your est- estimate of what's actually going to happen when they put this down in paper? Are the Chinese going to have made the kind of uh, concessions that it seemed they made when they came out of those negotiations?
2: Uh, you know, I, I've, I'm i very skeptical of uh, of them actually, you know, signing over um, some kind of a verification process by which, you know, they, they're going to change the rules to identify IP theft and force technology transfer. I just, I have a really tough time with that. Today, actually, we saw an olive branch from the administration talking about lowering some of the restrictions on Huawei um, sales by U.S. chip companies. And so you're seeing a big pop in a lot of the semiconductor stocks today. Uh, that's you know, you, you, you know, there's a lot that happens. You know, walking down the aisle with these with the Chinese before you get married to a deal. And <clears throat> I'm just not. They're talking up like they're very constructive. Things are going to happen. Um, it has to go way beyond uh, the uh, the business of buying soybeans and just doing agricultural, you know, trade and in retail. I just don't know how they're going to bring themselves to uh, to allow the U.S. to uh, get behind the curtain, and and uh, verify um, a lot of the cyber espionage and things like that. Jordan, I just don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, really so if, skeptical. Of it, so. If
1: that, if your skepticism is right, and in fact, yeah. we don't get a deal, or it falls apart again, and we impose more tariffs December 15th, would that have a major negative impact on the markets?
2: here's the thing every time this has come around the market seems to um shake it off better than the prior time you know every time we get you know the, the market cries wolf or the trade the trade war cries wolf the um what you're seeing is um even with the trade uh, tariffs in place we haven't seen the material breakdown in economic uh gdp numbers and data that that everybody was was uh you know forecasting not everybody but the critics the market critics and so therefore the, the, the US economy has done a pretty good job of shaking off the uh, you know the effects of a trade war and China actually hasn't melted down you know, unless their numbers are just not not straight up you know they just um, a lot of people thought that their, their their GDP would just be really in the tank uh, given with all that's already happened. I think that it will be a negative uh, a net negative because the market has moved up in anticipation of this phase one deal you know sailing through. Uh, in its current form and that there's going to be some kind of a, a kumbaya moment here for the very critical you know what uh, peter navarro would call some of the seven seven sins you know that some of that's going to get resolved yeah um, uh, we all hope it does but you're talking about a um and and i think a lot of it's still there waiting to see if trump is in trouble with this impeachment uh situation here and whether or not he's really going to be, you know, uh, head and shoulders above the uh, uh, the rest of the competition for uh, his second term. Um, I think they're, 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 they're experts at the waiting game, and I, I think this could still get pushed out yet again uh, yeah. with just uh, more, hey, we're, we just want to have longer, more understanding, longer talks about it. So I'm not sold on it. The market is, is buying into it, and, uh, you know, The market usually tends to be more right than wrong. And so uh, we're going to get some kind of a deal that may not be everything that we're looking for. Even phase one might be, you know, phase, you know, um, phase point (laughs)
1: nine instead of phase one. (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: Very good. Okay. We're (laughs) going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Brian Perry. Uh, He is the uh, editor of several uh, newsletters aimed at high yield. One of them is called Cash Machine. Another one is called Premium Income, Quick Income Trader, and Instant Income Trader. You can find out more about all of them at his website, BrianTerryInvesting.com. We'll be back after this.
0: Your
4: leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas.
1: Welcome back to the Money Answers Show. Uh, this is uh, Jordan Goodman, your host. Uh, my guest this hour is Brian Perry. He is the editor of several uh, newsletters aimed at high yields, uh, and uh, he's been doing this for a long time. Welcome back to the show, Brian.
2: Thank you, Jordan.
1: Let's just briefly go over the different newsletters that you do and how they're <laughs> differentiating. One of them is called Cash Machine Double-Digit Income Investing. Tell us a little bit about that one and what, you, what people would find in there.
2: Well, here what we're doing is uh, we're we're going after a a portfolio of somewhere between 20 and 30 different securities. It could be any number of uh, sectors and, uh, and certain asset classes. I incorporate um, things like closed-end funds, um, uh, master limited partnerships, the uh, business development corporations. Uh, we'll use uh, straight-up uh, securities like uh, mortgage REITs, um, uh, things like um, uh, you know various different, uh, ex- well, not exotic, but unique uh, securities like, uh, exchange-traded notes, for instance, and I'm trying to also blend uh, quarterly payment uh, securities with monthly payment securities, and in doing so, um, we're able to manufacture a blended yield of around 8.5, 8.6 percent in the current marketplace, which is, you know, uh, north. That's almost four times what uh, the short-term monies are paying out there in the world, and two and four times easily what the S and P is pay, paying, and and comparatively speaking. Um, it's just really hard to beat that kind of a yield uh, that's, that's diversified and still has a lot of uh, what I would call non-correlating assets so that one, one of the portfolios is zigging, another part of it is zagging, so there's a lot of even smooth ride, as I like to call it. You know. Uh-huh. Going,
1: yeah. well, another of your uh, newsletters is called premium income. Uh, what is the strategy involved with that one?
2: Well, that's based on using the cash machine portfolio and then selling covered calls on high-yield securities. And so that's it's a it's a hard and tricky uh, thing to do because high yield um, um, assets tend to move up and down uh, toward their dividend dates because they tend to you know they'll rally in dividend dates and then pull back uh, once they paid. But um, I try to add another uh, eight to ten percent income over the course of a year in covered call income to the existing portfolio, so that we can realize somewhere between uh, between twelve and fifteen percent total income without having to use margin or other types of leverage and it's just a nice way that people can you know bring in extra income using the, 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 the covered call writing covered calls on high yield stocks and, and, and assets
1: and then you have a newsletter called quick income trader how does that one work
2: well this is more of a swing trading service where i'm using uh the positions that are uh mostly blue chip um stocks and etfs and what i'm doing there is i'm using a portfolio, a concentrated portfolio of no more than seven different securities. Um, and then I'm looking for, uh, to sell covered calls. I'll buy the stock, I'm looking and I'll am I set a covered call that's out of the money and also at a higher price uh, using limit orders. So therefore the stock has to move two or 3% higher and it, it'll trigger the out of the money covered call. And we're looking to generate between five and 7% returns over the course of each uh, 30 to 45 days in those particular trades. I also use an associated um, uh, naked put strategy to go along with that. So if we're we're going into Intel, for instance, uh, at a certain price, I'm buying the stock, I'm selling a covered call at a limit price that's out of the money, and I'm also selling a naked put at the same price as I'm buying the stock. So that we're, we're, we're generating income uh, two different ways, three different ways, because Intel still pays a dividend.
1: But it's not a, uh, a fast trade. I mean, you might do one or two trades a month. It's not... Kind of uh, day trading,
2: in, in no, that. no, no, not at all. We were looking for between four and six week holding periods during this. It's a, it's a targeted trade, directional trade, if you will, Jordan.
1: Yeah, and then you've got a newsletter called Instant Income Trader. How does that one work?
2: This is a little more sophisticated. This is where I, you know, the problem with a lot of the stock markets today for investors is most of the best stocks trade well north of a hundred dollars a share. Okay, so if you want to play, you know, Google or Intuit. Or, you know, uh, Alibaba, for instance, or, or Adobe. You know, you got to really pony up a lot of capital to buy 100 shares of stock. So what I'll do here is I'll recommend what are called long-term equity anticipation securities, or LEAPs. Now, these are basically just long-term call options. And you can buy those, and I'll buy them deep in the money. And if I'm, for instance, I'll buy, I like I like kind of like Boeing down here because it's been hit hard on the 737 MAX. Stock trades at 350. I'll buy the, uh, the you know, the, the long-term one or two year call option on the uh, on Boeing and I'll buy like the the 320 call 30 points in the money I'll pay some time premium for that but I've got a couple years worth of time and I can buy that security for like three thousand dollars instead of thirty five thousand dollars to control the same hundred shares of stock and then I'll put a a, and I'll try to sell a short-term out of the money call against that that long-term leap like something that expires in uh, December if you will and so uh, the ideally, the ob- objective there is to generate between 20 to 40 percent returns. Uh, these are what are called bull call spreads, cool. and uh, and it's exciting because that's really where the action is. If you want to buy, you know, you can buy Apple for a fraction of the cost of the stock and buy yourself a couple years of time, and now you can play Apple uh, and get you know fantastic returns by using bull call spreads.
1: Uh-huh. And the final newsletter you have is called High Tech Trader. That doesn't sound like it's high yield at all. What what is the idea of High Tech Trader?
2: Well, this is a uh, AI-driven, algorithm-based um, trading service that I use. I've got two proprietary algorithms that I that I've um, had uh, designed to uh, construct trades that only go into technology stocks. And there's a number of indicators that go into that. And we just maintain a five to six position portfolio in one side of it. And then I just launched what is called just a 5G portfolio because I'm I'm a big uh, believer in the next two to three years. Of having a strong focus just in uh, in 5G, and what we're doing there is we're using a 22-day um, between one and 22-day holding period is our objective there. Uh, it's a straight-up uh, short-term trading service, looking for you know between um, anywhere between one and 10% returns on a short-term basis, or in the, in the core inside a month. And then we're also recommending a corresponding call option to go with that trade, usually. I usually buy, if I think if the trade's going to happen in a month, I think I'll buy three months' worth of time. That's kind of a rule of thumb in option trading. If you, you just buy three months, there are three times the amount of time you think is going to take the trade to work. And so that's just a highly concentrated uh, portfolio that I that I keep um, really no more than 10 positions on at any given time.
1: So let's talk about 5G. Uh, people hear a lot about it. It's just starting to be rolled out in various areas. What is going to be the impact of it, and what are some of the ways to invest in it? Because there's a lot of lot of hype about five G these days.
2: There really is. I mean, you've got uh, it, it just the whole business of Internet of Things, um, the wireless, uh, you know, network, the smart home, the autonomous vehicle, robotics uh, in the factory, uh, medical uh, remote uh, surgery. All those things require 5G, um, you know, it's, it's 100 times faster than the current 4G um, technology out there. And it just, uh, it provides incredible amount of, um, of the ability for these other technologies to move forward, which really they can't without 5G and, and, and fulfill the very prospect of what they're trying to do in terms of, um, you know, bringing things like artificial intelligence to its, you know, to, to its full capabilities. Um, I think it's, you know, you're going to have, uh, it's about a three-year build out what's going on here. And you've got some big, big, you know, potential winners there, primarily in the cell tower space, uh, on some of the chip makers, some of what we call software on the chip makers that make this possible. Certainly the network installation people, uh, that, that, that put the gear in. Uh, so there's different ways to play this. And it's a matter of, uh, you know, it's a little bit like the, uh, Oh gosh, the uh, the the Bitcoin revolution. Where if someone had a blockchain strategy, they would it could be a food company and say, "We got a blockchain strategy," and they'd buy the stock. You know, right? So you got to be careful here. You know that uh, that what you're that what people claim to have is actually um, uh, You know, a five G technology That's that is real. Yeah, it's real, and and hopefully as much of a pure play as possible.
1: Why don't you just give us one idea? I know you have several, but just one idea. Of a way to play 5G that you you would recommend?
2: Sure. Well, I you know uh, in this particular environment right now we've had a big rotation out of REITs and utilities and and staples because of this market move into the cyclicals. I think it's a great time to look at both the uh, cell tower companies right now that I that I recommend. One is American Tower, uh, AMT. They just had really good numbers here last week. Um, they're going to be, you know, they're the leader around the world in global, uh, in in tower installation. Stock traded as high as 242. Um, it's trading around around $212 today. So it's at a nice deep discount to where I was trading recently. And, uh, you know, and, and you are going to have, they're going to be able to basically charge more considerably more money to, for the use of these towers than they currently have been able to do as, as, as everybody has to Ramp up the usage of and, and just a much higher usage rate at these towers using 5G than currently are being used with 3G and 4G. The other one is um, Crown Castle International. They're basically the biggest tower operator in the United States. They have 3,400 towers, but they're going to be installing 5G. Need, they're, 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 the range for 5G is less than one mile. Okay, so if it's conventional towers, you can use your cell phone. And your iPhone, for instance, and, and your towers can be six miles apart. Okay, you don't lose connectivity. Yeah. 5G connectivity requires one mile, uh, it's got a one mile radius between the antenna to antenna. And the antennas are much smaller. They can put them on buildings, on lampposts and things like that. Um, and they can basically grid out the, uh, you know, the, the country using existing infrastructure. But they're going to, but so the install of this is huge. And Crown Castle is the biggest in the, in that particular field, and they also operate some underground fiber optic uh, networks. But the, but as a 5G play, uh, the stock was trading at 150. It's back down to 135. A lot of insider buying in the stock right now, and I think people should take a look at both these tower stocks because you're getting paid some nice dividends, and it's a it's basically a 5G utility, if you will, and gives what you a chance. What
1: kind of yields? What kind of yields are they both paying? This
2: uh, well, CCI pays about 3.55 percent. Okay, uh, which is pretty good for the, you know, that kind of for a hot growth, uh, uh, re- and the other's paying 2% for American Tower. Uh-huh. Very yeah, good. Yeah, so not great, but but still, um, most 5G plays are pure growth, and so people do it. And these are much more lower, what I call lower beta. You know, they just don't yeah. move around as much as like a Xilinx or some of the chip stocks, you know, which can fly all over the place.
1: Indeed. Very good. All right, we're going to come back. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Brian Perry. Uh, He's the editor of several high-yield newsletters we talked about, uh, Cash Machine, Premium Income, Quick Income Trader, Instant Income Trader, and what we just talked about, High Tech Trader, particularly relating to 5G stocks. You can find out more about all of them at his website, BrianPerryInvesting.com. We'll be back after this.
3: Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com life insurance settlements discover the true value of your life insurance 877-485-6681 jordan goodman is an affiliate he recognizes quality solutions forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners tune in to the voice america variety channel on the voice america talk radio network voice america variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Perry. Uh, He is the um, editor of several uh, dividend-oriented newsletters, one called Brian Perry's Cash Machine. Uh, you can find out more about all of his newsletters at brianperryinvesting.com. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you very much. So you Good talk much. about the buffet table of creative income opportunities. Let's, let's go eating from the different parts of the buffet table. <laughs> okay. So one of them you mentioned is called BDCs, Business Development Companies. Right. So basically describe what that is and maybe give us one or two examples of one you would like and, and what's the advantage of putting money into a BDC if you're an income investor.
2: BBCs are very similar to REITs. Uh, they are regulated investment corporations uh, and they've got to pay out roughly 90% of their income in, in the form of dividends. The difference is they can use leverage and they can also uh, use derivatives in which to manufacture their yields. So um, uh, the business development company is uh, an entity that loans money to small to medium-sized businesses, usually in the form of loans that uh, are somewhere between $3 million and, $50 million. and I there's there's a... A number of them out there uh, that um, choose various different uh, markets to invest in you got to be very choosy about it because management styles are quite different risk levels are quite different you really got to know what's in the portfolios and you've got to know whether or not uh, the income they're bringing in is going to cover the dividend payout um, presently uh, you know I've got uh, just three of them on the books right now I used to be a, a bigger uh, has to have more exposure but Um, I maintain three portfolios in the cash machine service one's called aggressive uh, high yield the second one's called conservative high yield and the third one's called safe haven portfolio which I have no BDCs in the safe haven portfolio so they are in the middle uh, risk range for uh, for income uh, Jordan they generate anywhere between 7 to 12 percent depending on uh, the flavor of the uh, of the BDC And, uh, you know, at the top, my, my, you know, best performing one is involved in venture uh, capital and angel investing in Silicon Valley companies and life sciences. Uh, So that's been a really, you know, big performer. I'm throwing the name out, Triple Point Venture Growth. Uh Uh, And it's it's returned 67% to us uh, in the last two years. So to give you an idea, and it still pays, even at this uh, level of appreciation, still pays a current yield of 8.8%. Wow. So we're getting 8.8%. We're getting fantastic growth. And then they had, you know, um, they're, they're early investors in Uber, Lyft, Pinterest, you know, uh, you know all these names. They were early in the Facebook. Um, so it's a way that they can, you can, that the investor can get into the incubator type of, uh, of, of uh, early investing, um, early cycle left, uh, investing in some of these really hot names because no one's going to get that kind of stock on the IPO. You know, typically, yeah. it's usually reserved for just the you know the big boys. So you can buy into something like a um, a BDC, which is uh, lending money and and you know lives and breathes Silicon Valley, uh, and then that's a nice way to play it because you you get a piece of the action.
1: If the economy were to turn down, mm-hmm. would you be concerned that they would have these BDCs in general would have more defaults, or uh, some of these loans would go bad?
2: There is that risk. Yes, it depends on what they're in. For instance, um, and, and what. What you see also is a tremendous slowdown in what we call deal flow. Uh, you just don't see near as many deals come to market, and and a lot of and a lot of companies you know, don't qualify. They just uh, you know for the lending practices of of whatever the parameters are that these BDCs have outlined. You you, know, you you do see, and here's the thing about high yield, Jordan. It definitely is more correlated to the stock market than the bond market. Um, these are stocks with yield, and and so. Even if uh, interest rates go up a little bit, they t- and the, but the market continues to to grind higher because of the economy is expanding. They tend to do quite well. Um, it it is again, if we go into a slowdown of periods, then you really want to cut your exposure to companies that are loaning money to companies that you know are more susceptible. They're small cap companies, yep. and and so therefore your risk is definitely more inherent.
1: So another uh, uh, entity, I guess you might say, on your buffet table are MLPs, Master Limited Partnerships. So those tend to be in the energy infrastructure area, pipelines, storage facilities, ports, things like that. Oil has been kind of weak lately, and it seems like there's too much oil. What is your outlook for MLPs, and what would be a name or two you'd like in that field?
2: Well, I've only got really um, two uh, energy MLPs right now. One of them I'm very bullish on, and that's, you know, Chenier Energy Partners. That's in uh, liquefied natural gas, which has taken over coal, as the number one fossil fuel that's being exported around the world, uh, Japan, after their uh, their, their nuclear uh, you know um, disaster there uh, two three years ago, uh, has gone palomel into LNG imports. Coal is is being replaced rapidly in China by LNG. Europe is moving rapidly into LNG from nuke, and so um, uh, there, this is a monopoly type of or oligarchy type of a business. There's only two or three companies out there that that produce LNG in the United States that export it. Uh, to around the world, and the largest one is uh, Chenier Energy, CQP is the symbol there, um, and it gives us a chance here to uh, to be in the largest, and it pays it about a 5.5% yield, but we're up 55% in that position there in the last three years, and, and it's just, again, it's, that's the kind of MLP I want to be in where there's special situations. Another one is uh, simply, you can look at, um, uh, I like to follow the money, as we all do on Wall Street, you know, and the Carl Icahn is uh, you know a billionaire many times over, and he, uh, our, uh, Icon Enterprises is in my aggressive high yield because when you invest with Carl, you know you're getting in with an activist, and uh, you're in. But he owns 92% of his own company called Icon Enterprises, and that he pays himself very well. I mean, the year the yield on those uh, shares is 11.5%. Wow, and uh, he's been hiking the dividend for the last three years, and. So we're up 20% in that uh, year over year since we bought it uh, in mid-2018. Uh, and, uh, you know, Icon, is um, he's, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, he just moved his operations to Florida, you know, to get out of the w- way of the, uh, the rising taxes in New York. Uh, he's got a lot of big holdings in there, refining. Uh, he's in um, things like he owns Pep Boys, the automobile parts company. He's got all kinds of uh, of, of um, the various different assets in the entertainment industry. He's a real wheeler dealer in the casino business, yep. and uh, and it's just you know, that's a kind of that's another ML that's an LP though an MLP. So you don't always have to be in energy, in order to be an LPs. Yep. Uh, you know. So I like gas stations. That, that you know, there's a we own a gas station MLP which pays ten and a half percent, and we're we're making money in that. So a lot of the infrastructure pipeline companies what we call midstream and downstream companies have. Have not done that well, and they're still lagging in the market, you know, terribly, quite frankly. Uh, but there's there's plenty to do. We just sold Blackstone Group BX. And they just converted from a an MLP to a, a C corporation recently. Um, you know, Stephen Schwartz is easily the smartest guy in the room, wherever he's at, and the, who runs that company. And that's private equity. And you know, it just got ahead of itself. I think that from the standpoint of the stock, raced up higher recently, and we booked a 65% gain on Blackstone Group. Um, and I'm looking at the Carlaw Group. Carlaw Group is converting from a MLP to a C Corp soon. And it gives institutions a chance to buy the. Because they, they, institutions are loath to, to buy into MLPs because they don't want a K1 report, which is a, you know, uh, that, that can be a tax burden for a lot of different entities out there. So when MLPs convert to C Corps, so and we're seeing more and more of that in the energy space as well. One Oak and a couple of names like that have done that already. Yep. Uh, Kinder Morgan. And so we're seeing um, a conversion, if you will, of MLPs, so the, that's a good space if you can be selective and look at alternative types of MLPs other than just what we call energy infrastructure.
1: An- another category would be closed-end funds. These are funds that come out with a certain number of shares and they trade a premium or discount right. uh, to the net asset value. Uh, what are some high-yielding closed-end funds you'd be looking at?
2: Well, the couple there that really catch my eye. One is uh, to be in a convertible bond uh, fund. Uh, You know, uh, the one I like is Alliance Global, Diversified Income and Convertible. ACV, Alpha, Charlie, uh, uh, Victory is a symbol. It pays around an 8.9% yield right now. And um, what this is nice is because even if the Fed's done lowering interest rates, a, a convertible security allows you to buy a bond that's tied to the underlying common stock. So if the stock moves higher, you have the right to convert the bond into shares. And and so it can be a convertible bond, it can be a convertible preferred, but it allows you to be in a high income instrument and if the underlying security moves up in value at your election at any time, you can convert that bond or that preferred stock into the common stock if you think that you're going to get a better ride out of your money uh, doing that. So that gives you a a good opportunity to kind of have your cake and eat it too if you want to still be in a bond uh, play, but you're you're concerned that the Fed's done lowering interest rates and you might be in an upright market here going forward, but you're still going to be in a strong stock market. This way you can still get paid eight to nine, ten percent and be tied to the stock market and the rising stock market. So that's just a beautiful thing. And the one we bought uh, about a year ago, year and a couple months ago, we're up nineteen and a half percent in that, which is that's a nice that's a nice conservative way to get your eight and a half percent and still make some money in the stock market
1: do you like to buy closed-end funds when they're trading at discounts or premiums or do you look at that when you're looking at closed-end funds
2: absolutely absolutely I don't like paying premiums um, it's got to be an awfully good reason to buy it at a premium one I did pay recently for a small very small premium for was when it involved in uh, the, the all the large cat uh, Nasdaq uh, QQQs um, what they do is they're basically they're buying all the best stocks like Microsoft um, you know Google and uh, you know and, and all the big names out there um, and they're selling covered calls against that portfolio I want to be in, uh, in in big tech I want to be in IT because that's the strongest sector in the market typically and we've seen a breakout recently in the chip stocks and in uh, in some of the big uh, in the big cap software stocks and I want to be there in that sector but how do you get paid you know uh, how do you get paid to you know if you're an income investor and still be in in these stocks that paid almost nothing, you know, in terms of dividends, um, the way to do that is to be in a in a well-managed uh, covered call fund that has a reputation of putting together, you know, pretty fat returns over the course of years. And and I've got one that uh, within cash machine that pays a current yield of 8.6 percent, and it owns all the best names at the top of the uh, you know the LAM researches of the world and things that are really been working well uh, in the chip space and the software space and and uh, some of the other. Uh, um, you know, high tech areas where there's there's good leadership.
1: And then uh, uh, REITs is another category. Real estate investment trusts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had a pretty big move this year. But do you see value in in some REITs these days?
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a few places to still go, uh, which I think are make a lot of sense. One is certainly the data center REITs. Those are still they they have a good long trajectory of growth forecast still for the next several years. Uh, we talked about the cell tower REITs already. Um, certainly, there's some of the standalone, what I would call um, uh, standalone, um, not retail mall reads, but ones where there's, you've got um, um, strip you know, malls. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You can have the local, uh, you know, grocery stores tag, but you still have to go get your tires changed. You yeah, know, you still got an urgent care there. You've got, you know, your hair salons and things like that. Things that you can't, they're kind of Amazon proof. Okay, yeah. you still they're services, uh, and you, you just, you know, but they're not. Something you can't order a haircut over the over the internet. So, um, so those are those are good. There's two or three there, and then certainly um, uh, in the healthcare space, you know, there, there's any of the standalone, um, uh, what I would call ambulatory type of outpatient clinic stuff is doing quite well. We've got one or two of those in the portfolio. They're they're doing extremely well right now, and uh, you know, the, the more healthcare there is for all, <laughs> this is the way you can. If you're if play the, you know, if if we're going in that direction, and we're going to get more and more of that type of a uh, government-backed uh, type of uh, uh, medical care, then certainly the operators of the standalones are going to do quite well in all of this because they're just going to be the patient visits are going to be that much more rapid.
1: Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Brian Perry. Uh, He's the editor of several uh, high yield-oriented newsletters. Uh, One called Cash Machine, Premium Income, Quick Income Trader, Instant Income Trader, and High Tech Trader. You can find out more at his website, brianperryinvesting.com. We'll be back after this.
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
4: own it outright in five to seven years call truth and equity 888-262-5540 or visit truth eight 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 two six two five five four zero. 888-262-5540 jordan goodman is an affiliate he recognizes quality solutions forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Brian Perry, the editor of several high dividend yielding uh, oriented newsletters. You can find out more at his website, brianperryinvesting.com. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Thank you, Jordan. Another uh, area that you look at is preferred stocks. Maybe just talk briefly about what a preferred is and how they're trading, and, and some ways you'd like to uh, play those today.
2: Sure. Well, a preferred stock is a debt security, unlike a common stock, which is equity. Uh, it's it's uh, stands in the um, the pecking order of you have your senior debt at a corporation. The bondholders get paid first. Then your junior debt holders, uh, junior bondholders, and then your convertible bondholders would get get paid third. And then your preferred bond uh, preferred shareholders get paid fourth and this is basically how the the priority will of um of who gets paid first when the company makes money and in the event of a liquidation uh, the bond it also works the same way the common stock dividend holders are paid last and that suffer the highest risk of having their dividend cut in the event of a company going bankrupt so the preferreds are uh, they get and, and therefore you get paid more to be a preferred holder than you do a senior bond holder because you're third or fourth in line. Um, so in this realm, I've got uh, you know with, again the three portfolios that I use, and I've got a preferred instrument for each of the portfolios because it's been a very good market for preferreds. Uh, it's because it's right in the middle of uh, it pays better than the common stock, not not as uh, and still you know gives you. Um, you know, uh, you still get the security of being in a, in a what I call it, you know, a debt security or like a bondholder. Uh, they don't move around as much as a common stock by any means. They're very stable. So, you know, at the top, I've uh, got one that pays over 10%, about 10.3. And that's in the form of what is called an exchange traded note. And that's issued by uh, uh, UBS, um, United Bank of Switzerland. And, uh, you know, they, they take, uh, they, 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 they do, an, the the bank basically backs this preferred note, which is based upon a preferred index, and they use derivatives, um, in, in trying to, to manufacture two times what the preferred the what is called the the standard preferred index pays. So in this event, most preferreds um, pay about five and a half percent in the current market, and which is you know great yield. But if you're using an exchange traded note, which is leveraged two times to the preferred stock index. We're getting two and a half percent without using margin. They do all this internally, and you get paid a monthly uh, payment. So that's been extremely good uh, for people to say, "I want to, you know, a re- I want a really fat yield in the preferred market." Now, but you can go, you can get that through an exchange-traded note.
1: So Secondary. You'd rather do it through the ETFs than buying individual preferreds, Is that right? I,
2: I, I would, yes, I would personally because I like to have a good manager in there that knows how to swap these in and out. Um, I don't mind, uh, one of the names we use as uh, in that area would be the Virtus uh, InfraCap U.S. Preferred ETF. The symbol is PFFA, Peter Frank Frank Apple. And it pays 8.66%. They're using a little bit of leverage here, okay, internally. So it's an exchange-traded fund, which is using around 30%, between 27 and 30% leverage, because they can borrow money at 2 and then they can invest it in five and a half six percent 6% preferreds, and therefore they're, they're, they're kicking out almost a 9% yield. It pays monthly. We bought this in December of last year, Jordan, and, um, and and we're currently up 24% in the position. So, you know, here's the stock market, which has put you through a lot of different gyrations here during the course of the year. And then you've got this preferred ETF, which is just a nice steady up into the right pattern, uh, paying still at this level 8.66% and getting paid monthly. That's just a beautiful thing for people that want a stable income during their retirement years. Uh-huh. And then- Thirdly, um, I like one that's very conservative, and it's put out by the same manager, but it's investing in preferred stocks that are owned by REITs, by real estate investment trusts. And this is in the exchange-traded fund that invests in REIT preferreds. And it's paying 5.6% and pays monthly. And I did this one primarily because I still have the gener- a, a, a general audience that wants a monthly check. Um, and so, therefore, just a nice way to be in a very solid and I, and I trust the U.S. domestic real estate market is going to be, you know, it's on good footing right now. We have strong, strong job numbers, strong credit, People, people's savings rate is up. It's just a good market for real estate. And so therefore, we can own preferreds in three different categories and, and three different levels of risk. Um, and that way, it, it just gives people, you know, the different various uh, risk reward levels of a of, uh, choice.
1: Right. So let's go back to options a little bit. What is mm. your strategy in selling covered call options? There's so many options out there. How do you pick which stock you want to buy and, and you're in the money, out of the money, which option to sell?
2: You know, the secret sauce that I use is to buy um, a, a stock and then, again, that's, that's basically I look for stocks that have broken out to a new high and then they're, they've just pulled back and they're, you know, I call it the pause, that refreshes, it's called it the back and fill to the, to the breakout point. And so I, I identify those stocks and then I, I basically come in there and I, and I, I recommend to buy the stock. And then, and then selling covered calls is a matter of, um, you know, if you sell right at the money then you have the, and you sell something that's only 30 days out, then you have a, uh, the risk of having that position called away immediately. And then you've got to rebuy the position and do that over and over again. Ideally, if you, can, if you can walk a stock up over the course of several months, if not a year, and stay in the same position, and you basically, when the stock rallies, you sell covered calls against that position, and then when the stock pulls back, you either close out the covered call at a, at a discount, or you just let it expire worthless, and you take home 100% of the premium. So that's how I try to trade the the covered call market, and it generate. And again, I'm looking for calls that I can sell 30 to 45 days out at a higher price than where the stock is currently trading, and and if the stock does get called out then that's usually not a bad thing. It usually means the stock has moved up between 3 to 5%, and I'm getting paid another 5 to 6% on the call, and I'm making 10% over the course of 30, 45 days. Well, if you do the math over the course of a year, those are strong returns. Yes. And and that's, that's the beauty of a really well-managed, covered call program that someone with my experience does, lives, and breathes this stuff every day. And it just... Uh, most of the people I know would rather just have a cup of coffee and follow the, uh, you know, the trade directions and just put them on, put these trades on, if they've got all the parameters that are already spelled out for
1: them. Yeah. And then the opposite of that is to sell a naked put. Mm-hmm. A put is giving you the right to, uh, to uh, if you're selling it, you have to buy the stock back at a lower price than it is today. What's the advantage of selling naked puts?
2: Naked puts are uh, um, a phenomenal way. In fact, for most professional option traders, sell naked puts in in terms of the most uh, successful option traders. And what you're simply doing there is, say, Microsoft is it just broke out recently on beautiful numbers, and also big. They won a big contract, the Jedi contract from the Pentagon. The stock has been in a a, a three month base, uh, and at 140 broke out. Now it's trading at 144. If that stock pulls back to 140, 140, 142, then I, I'd be I'd be selling the 140 put, uh, say for January, for instance, and I might get four or five dollars, which is four or five hundred dollars per contract for that. Okay, I'm very confident that Microsoft will hold that 140 level. And what I'm doing there is I'm selling. Uh, when when you're selling puts, like selling calls, you're basically selling that the the time is is working for you instead of against you, and because these are time wasting assets. And so therefore, uh, if I can sell that that Someone thinks the stock's going to fall back to 135. That's why they're selling you the put at five dollars. Um, I'll take that five dollars. And here's the thing: if 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 the stock, say we run into a black swan event and the market t- just nosedives, dives, you know, by 10 percent, and Microsoft does go to 135, and I get assigned the stock at 140, and I and I sold the puts at, at five dollars. My actual cost basis is 135 because I take my, you know, I've been, I've been right. assigned the stock at $140. i have brought in $5. I'm at 135 And if I get assigned Microsoft, I don't mind owning Microsoft because it's not, you know, some, some funky name that no one's ever heard of. This is the most coveted name in, the, in, in Swiss bank accounts today. It used to be IBM. And Microsoft is the most coveted name in the world uh, by the wealthiest people in the world today. So I don't mind being put Microsoft. If that's, if that's, I get it caught, you know, in a, in a black swan event and I've got to own some stock and I get put some stock. So that's, and, and th- those have worked out real well for us because the market is is generally grinding higher. And if you can use sell-offs to sell puts against on very high quality stocks, then you'll usually make some pretty good money. We've been averaging between 30 and 40% on these trades each and every time we do this. And we're, at, and we're making money 85% of the time on these trades.
1: Great. In about two minutes we have left, just kind of sum up what difference it will make in people's lives if they take some of the advice you have in your newsletters instead of being scared and just keep their money in a money market fund because they're just too worried about all the things going on in the world.
2: Well, you know, I I mean, people love to talk about year-to-date numbers, Jordan. And yeah, the market's up 20% year-to-date, roughly speaking. But if you go back another, um, you know, go back to February to September of 2018, we're not up. We're not up twenty-two percent. We're up maybe four or five percent from those levels a year ago, and change. So there's a there's a misnomer here about you know using year-to-date numbers versus uh, going back and saying, "Hey, man, you know, um, you know, back in February of 2018, you know, the S and P was trading at 2880, and today is trading at third, you know, at three thousand fifty. Um, that's not a big move, you know. But it, and you, but you went through all the fourth quarter of last year, and then again this year in May, and again you know in, in August, and now we're back up, but it's, it it doesn't tell the whole story. And what if you can still make you know a steady eight percent and maybe ten percent or fifteen percent in these income strategies along the way, if you're if if you're just buying and holding and, and having to sell a portion of your assets in order to meet your 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 obligations in order to you know um, to to live on, then you then you've got to depend on rallies and market rallies all the time in which to make that happen so that you don't beat into your you know into the rock. Yeah. And and so by using uh, income strategies, you can constantly get paid every month, every quarter, year in and year out, and still you know, uh, move through the market swings, but, but, you, but your, your portfolio is paying you organic income all the time. And that's really the why I think that this is, is a very good, good position for most
1: people. Very good. All right, well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Brian Perry. You can find out more at his website, brianperryinvesting.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Brian. Thank you very much, Jordan. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answers Show. Goodbye for now.
0: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.